0: episode of the This is Believe One podcast, I'm welcoming back Jordan Cohen as we're talking about the Cleveland Browns. Welcome, Jordan. Hey, thanks for having me back. How's it going? It's going pretty good. Uh, the Browns are 7-3. and three. Uh, They have exceeded my expectations. I think they're kind of falling right into where you had them this season, uh, before the season started, but they certainly have a better record than I thought they would, uh, although quality of the team, I would still say, is up for debate.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, again, I I think this is kind of more of the optimistic to semi-optimistic end of where I thought they would be at this point on that scale. I am surprised that they are this good because of the way they've won these games. I I figured if we were going to be 7-3, you would have Baker Mayfield playing like a Kirk Cousins-type quarterback, and... I thought Stefanski was going to take a while to adjust, and I think the opposite is actually happening. Where Stefanski's play calling on the whole obviously there are issues every few games, especially like the Raiders game, but overall the play calling's been really good, and Baker's been really poor.
0: Yeah, I can, I can, I agree with that. Um, the, the only gripe I've had with Stefanski is he feels himself a little bit with the trick plays from time to time. Mm-hmm. And We haven't seen really any that much. We saw one this past week, but there weren't any the week before. Uh, But I think they've run their course for the most part. uh, The trick plays Mm -hmm. Uh, just because, like the first couple times, like okay that you know that play worked or that play was like oh man it was so close to working. But other teams seem ready for him now, and so the surprise factor's
1: gone. Yeah, I'm actually what I am surprised about, and we've talked about this before, is that I thought especially after Odell went down. They would start using Kareem Hunt, not even as trick plays, but on like jet motion plays. Yeah. And that hasn't really happened yet, especially when Chubb was out, which surprises me. But I, I'm okay with the trick plays going away. I, I think Stefanski's a good enough offensive coordinator where you don't need those to win games. I mean, from what we've seen, that, that seems to
0: be uh, accurate because they, they are winning games and they're not necessarily be, not winning games because of running trick plays. This isn't you know, the Eric Mangini era where there, were, where there was all trick plays and, you know, Josh Cripps running the flash package, you know, 10 times a game. <laughs> so it actually seems like to be a well-developed offense, and there is uh, an identity, and that is the run game that they seem to focus on. I mean, again, they ran the ball 40 times this past week, and that's exactly what I tweeted before the game started. I'm like, if they're going to win, they're going to have to run around 40, and they ran 40.
1: Yeah, and and I mean the reality is, I I think the best to be a really good, almost like a Super Bowl contending team, whether you make it or not, but but that type of level of a team, Mm -hmm. you got to be able to throw the ball. Like running forty times isn't going to be sustainable. Mm -hmm. But for now, and for the quarterback we have, you just got to do it.
0: Yeah, and I absolutely agree with that. So we use that as a little bit of a a warm up into some further discussion that we're going to have here, and. The first discussion I want to have is the Cleveland Browns. They have seven wins. They've lost three games. I want to talk about uh, quality of their opponents and their wins because I, I don't think this really gets discussed all that much. I mean, people like to say, oh, the Browns beat all these teams that are bad and all that. I'm like, yeah, we get it. They beat bad teams. If you're going to be good, you got to beat bad teams. But at the same time, if you're going to be good, you got to beat good teams as well. And so I did some quick math. Uh, the amount of wins that the teams, the Browns, have defeated this year, their win total is 23 for the season. So the seven games, seven teams they beat, they have 23 wins combined. The three losses, so the Ravens, the Raiders, the Steelers, they have 22 wins
1: by those three teams. And then the 23 wins uh, that the Browns losers or the teams the Browns have beaten have, mm-hmm. I think like 25% of those wins are the Indianapolis Colts. Yes, I believe they
0: have six wins, or they have seven wins now. Uh, I think they're at
1: six because they had the bye, but it could be seven. Let's see. The Colts
0: have seven wins. So seven of the 23 wins belong to the Indianapolis Colts. So if you want to just dial it down even further and remove the Colts from the equation, again, it happened, it counts, whatever, but that would be 16 wins for the six teams they've beat, and two of them are the Bengals.
1: It's like between, it's something like 30% of the wins are from one team. Yeah. So I, I, I don't, I, and again, right, as you said, you got to beat bad teams. And the Browns are doing that for the first time in a very long time. Mm-hmm. I am, I, I actually, I, I was disappointed with the Raiders game, but Oof. I feel like that Raiders game could have gone, it, it could have, the way it could have gone a totally different way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I am, and the Raiders are a good team, mm-hmm. and so I'm less super concerned about that. But I think not this week, but next week against Tennessee is going to be a real test. Like, if this Browns team is a serious kind of team that should be contending for the playoffs, they should at least have a very close game against the Titans.
0: And I think uh, you know a lot of people like to use the term measuring stick game. I think that's what Tennessee's going to be for sure. Um, because you know Tennessee's been there. They're they're a team that was
1: that made a, a good playoff run last year. And Vrabel's a good coach, right? Yeah, I, mean, I really like watching them play.
0: And they're they're a team that runs a, a similar style of yep. offense. They they I'll call them a like a toned down version of uh, the early two thousands Ravens because that's essentially what yeah. they are. Uh, yeah. No, you know, a uh, running team, they play good defense, and uh, they're not afraid to
1: kick your ass if they need to. Right. And Derrick Henry, I actually think the Jamal Lewis comparison is perfect for Derrick Henry. Uh-huh. They're just, just so just similar. Like a taller Jamal Lewis. <laughs> yeah. And, who like, these guys just—and Chubb's sort of the same way. I think Chubb's a little bit shiftier and uh-huh. more kind of willing to go to the outside, even if it sometimes costs him yards. But— like what Derek Henry and Jamal Lewis do so similarly is they run the same type of plays, right? Like mm-hmm. they run same holes, and they the second they accelerate, it's over. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Like you saw the the play against Ravens last week with Henry, yeah. right? Like when when those guys get a foot in open space, you should just quit. Yeah, pretty much.
0: It's just it's night it's it's over once he gets into yeah. open space it's he's gonna he's either a gonna bust this for a big gain or b he's scoring a touchdown.
1: <laughs> I mean, if you're in a fantasy league where you can still make trades, I would try to make a trade for Derrick Henry for next week, just because he. I mean, I think it's not implausible he has 200 yards rushing against this Browns defense. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, uh, <clears throat> very very possible considering this Browns defense is. Overperforming uh, their their <laughs> skill level. Uh, we'll get into some more of that a little bit later. But what what do you think? I mean, what do you think the Browns are? They're seven and three. Are they just an average team that's beat up on some poor competition, or are they actually someone? Well, you could say that, you know, they're definitively good because, you know, there was a, a couple of things I retweeted yesterday that other people were quote tweeting and, you know, getting mad about because, you know, all oh, the Browns are my favorite team. I got to support them no matter what. It's like it's OK to be concerned or have criticisms about a team if they are warranted. And I feel that they're warranted.
1: Oh, no, I 100 percent agree. Like, think about this. Right. I, I love the United States. I live here. I, I can't imagine ever moving somewhere. For the rest of my life, like another country. Mm -hmm. I'm also critical of the United States hit points when I think they're doing something stupid, Mm -hmm. right? And and I think because you like something, you should be critical, right? You should want it to be the best it can be. Mm -hmm. And to that end, I agree with you. I I, I think the Browns are probably somewhere between the 20th to 22nd best team in the NFL. They have won won close games against bad teams.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. The Colts were the best team they beat and they didn't have Darius Leonard. And that doesn't mean they were a bad team at that point, but I I think the Browns really, I mean, if their measuring stick is Colts without Darius Leonard are probably a 500 team, give Mm -hmm. or take, and that's the best one they have. I mean, right? Like, how do you feel about it?
0: I, I feel they're still an average at best team. I think they've been the beneficiary of circumstances outside of their control, uh, also known as luck. There's nothing wrong with having luck on your side, but at the same time you need to realize that at some point luck's going to run out or it's going to start turning the other way. Um, I see a lot of their their wins against teams that are like, yeah, these are some of the worst teams in the NFL. You know, mm-hmm. they, you know Cincinnati, Washington. Even Dallas with Dak Prescott was not a good team. Um, right. And then we look at the last three games that the the Browns have played. They have been just awful football. It has been hard to watch. They are yeah. these are three of the worst games I think I've watched uh, in a long time. And it's not because of um, you know the weather was bad or the, or the the team was bad. It was just they were unwatchable for just so many reasons and there's just it was just you see a a team that was either just not ready or a team that was just not executing uh, or a team that was just playing overall poorly and yeah there's some bad you know Hugh Jackson era teams and you know the Freddy Kitchens experiment was a disaster last year but you would think that you, the, the days of watching three horrible games like this in a row were behind them, e- even though the weather did play a factor. I
1: will say the weather played a factor, but those were awful football games. Yeah, I mean, so let's be clear. The same problem exists in all three games, right? The problem hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield has done nothing to earn Kevin Stefanski's trust, especially in bad weather, right? Think mm-hmm. back to the Oakland game. And so because of that, Stefanski is just going to play ball control. And, I mean, ultimately, these wins were probably worth more than the margin, uh, the scoring margin, because of the, how much we play ball control.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But it just, it's just – it's messy games. Other teams have poor offensive performances, which made our defense look better than it is. And, I, I mean – running the listen the reason you run it 40 times is if out of those 40 times you end up with five runs that get you total of over 100 yards then it's worth it Mm -hmm. right and and that's fine because you also control the clock but it's just it's tough to watch and it's not like we're this smash mouth team right no i would be okay with the offense if the defense was just dominant Mm -hmm. and the defense hasn't been dominant and like deshaun watson i think is a really good quarterback who had a really bad game yeah. Largely because this coach is probably, is Romeo Cornell. But beyond that, I mean, the just got, they've gotten lucky. Mm-hmm.
2: They've
1: gotten lucky.
0: I mean, just, they, they were bad football games. And the way I looked at this past game against Philly was that they played a bad game and still won. Just like a, a good team, just like a bad team can play a good game, or you know, a team can play a good game and still lose. Uh, a team can play a bad game and still win. I feel they played a bad game and still won. Uh, you know, they did have some uh, some defensive plays against uh, Carson Wentz. You know, Taki Taki with the pick six, uh, Olivier Vernon with the fumble. Uh, you got named AFC Defensive Player of the Week, so good for him. But outside of a couple of those. High late plays, this game stunk, and they played bad.
1: I have never seen a quarterback stand as square as Carson Wentz stood in that game. Like, he was literally just, like, a complete, like, he was square. His feet were square. Everything was square. And the Browns were just reading it, which is good. I mean, right? Like, as you mm-hmm. said, it's a bad. The, the other team played worse, and the Browns defense did ostensibly what it had to do to win the game. But it does make it a good game, right? And it yeah. doesn't mean the Browns are a good team. Yeah,
0: I mean, because that game, <laughs> it it was hard to watch. I mean, outside of the Nick Chubb's fifty four yard run, I mean, their rushing attack was not great. It was no, like it, Chubb, was, it was like two point
1: two yards per carry or something yeah, like that. I mean, towards the end, like I saw that in the fourth quarter, the they were doing much much better, even not counting Chubb's fifty four yard run, which is, I mean, no offense, kind of evidence that a lot of this like. Analytics crowd about like the value of tiring out defensive mm-hmm. lines, they're wrong, right? I mean, mm-hmm. very clearly, when you watch the Browns, they do better running the ball in the third and fourth quarter because mm-hmm. they're tiring out the other team. Yes. And I, I get that. But, right, as you said, it's not, and listen, I said this before the season. Part of this outside zone scheme, the idea behind it is these outside zone runs generally don't go for a lot, except for the one to two times a game they go for touchdowns. Yeah. And that, that's what we've seen with the Browns. Mm-hmm. Um, but But you can't do everything like if you can't pass the ball. The Eagles played with six, seven guys stag in line. They're uh, what's their defensive coordinator's name? I was Schwartz. Yeah. never does that ever. like ever. that's not what he does, and that's what the Eagles did because they knew the Baker can't pass.
0: Yeah. and, and he had a couple long throws uh, that he completed, which inflated his passing total, but he was only 12 of 22 for 204 yards. I can't
1: believe I'm saying this, but the one long throw he made to Higgins oh. was not like I, that actually Higgins actually ran a really good route on that play. Mm-hmm. It was like the first time in over a year he's done that. Yeah. But he ran a really good route and nothing Baker did on that throw was because of Baker. Baker didn't throw him open. Higgins mm-hmm. got open and he was Baker's second read, I think, and Baker saw it.
0: Yeah. And on the on the flip side, you can also uh, look at a throw that Baker should not have made to Higgins, and that was the right. the, the one where he threw where he, Higgins was, uh, to call him blanketed in coverage, would be uh, an understatement. Uh, he was not open. He had no chance of ever getting open or ever catching that pass, but Baker threw it anyways.
1: I, I don't understand this kind of, and I mean, I guess I understand it, but everybody's saying, oh, well, Baker's doing so much better not leaving the pocket. Well, yeah, but, but the idea behind that is you would hope because he's not rolling out and he's stepping up, his throwing numbers would be better. And they're not, which means, and it, this is something I've said since the start of the season, I don't think Baker's problem was ever his footwork or anything like that because, yeah, he was raw and I'm sure it helps a little bit.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But the problem is mental. he I mean, whatever happened a year one Baker, which was running kind of that very simple offense and making quick reads is gone. Mm-hmm. And this Newbaker is quite literally just, I mean, he's doing two reads. And if his first two reads aren't open, well, you better hope there's a check down on that play. I
0: mean, a lot of times he doesn't even throw to the check down.
1: No, he'll throw out of bounds or he'll scramble. He'll heave it, uh, 20 yards overthrow. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I don't know and, and I I mean I do know. They've tried to cut it and it's making it harder for Baker or harder for the offense in general, but is those kind of intermediate middle of the field throws that are like technically the most valuable throw in football if you can make it and Baker just can't make it. Mm-hmm. So they've cut them out very significantly from that offense, which actually is hurting Jarvis. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Jarvis Landry, well let's do, let's do a little tangent on him.
0: His numbers this year and his overall impact are not what I expected. Um, Through 10 games, he has 38 catches for 471 yards and no touchdowns.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's tough, and and we've talked about this. Ultimately, if if there was one group, like kind of players that I would not pay, it would be Jarvis and Odell, I Mm -hmm. think – the the way the team is built, you're going to need a new quarterback eventually, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think you're paying Baker. And so, because of that, I just don't think... But part of me wonders if Jarvis's numbers this year are a function of Baker. I think it's definitely a function of Baker.
0: I, I do think the offensive change is playing a significant factor. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, uh, the first two years, it was relatively pass-heavy. Mm-hmm. I mean... He had 149 targets his first year. He had 138 last year. He has 57 through 10 games this year. Oof. Now, yeah, um, if he hits 100 targets, it would be because they decided to uh, just not involve Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt ever again. Yeah. Um, this it's been a very underwhelming and disappointing year for Travis Landry, and I don't, it's not his fault. Uh, it's circumstances outside of his control A.K.A. the quarterback Yeah But right. I, mean, I thought I, he I would be Just a little bit more involved e- Even
1: when Odell was still healthy yeah. Landry didn't do much of anything I mean I thought Landry Was going to be Thielen Right I the, They play very similarly And I thought that in this offense That was what he was going to be But Baker Mayfield makes Kirk Cousins Look like prom, prime Tom Brady Yeah and so that that becomes a big issue. I, I mean, I just the problem with all of these sets, even the running stats mm-hmm. are if you watch the game, I think overall Stefanski doing a really good job. Like there's a lot of plays where receivers are schemed open. Mm-hmm. I think he overall is calling kind of the right breakdown between run and pass, including on He's getting criticized on Twitter for not throwing it more on first down. I would not throw it on first down. No, I, I wouldn't.
2: I wouldn't either.
0: I know it's like, oh, you don't run running first down, so you can get second and seven. And it's like, well, it, when Baker misses somebody
1: or gets the ball tipped at the line, it's going to be second and ten. So
0: I'd rather have some
1: yards than no yards. Right. I mean, ideally, you have a good enough quarterback where you don't need to throw on first down. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, Baker beyond six yards to go is awful. And so you got to get to, I, and I know it sounds ridiculous. Like I'm the stats guy. I know this should not be how you play, but I think Baker is so bad that you really need to get to like third and short situations. I actually, honestly, my one big kind of play calling criticism of Stefanski is I don't think he's running it enough on third and short. I agree.
0: You have Nick Chubb, who's fantastic. Uh, cream mm-hmm. hunt, uh, in the right situation, right? Play call. Uh,
1: someone to give the ball to even quarterback sneak should be on the table. Um, because Baker actually is not a terrible athlete. Like to give him credit. I I think though, I actually think design quarterback runs, whether they're sneaks or otherwise need to be incorporated more into this offense.
0: Yeah. uh, I'm fine with the quarterback sneak. Uh, I think we saw them run an option play last week. My memory's And I was just like, I don't know what the hell that was, but I'd never run that play again. Uh, Like, if you're going to have a a, a quarterback rollout uh, play, like a play-action rollout, and he gets one read or or just run the ball, I'd be fine with that particular play call from time to time. Uh, Kind of like how the Bears managed uh, Trubisky for a minute. Exactly. Uh, But options, any of that stuff, just
1: that can just go right in the garbage. Yeah, no, no, no that's what I meant. Yeah. I guess the design isn't right, but right these kind of almost RPOs, right, mm-hmm. where Baker has to make one read, maybe two, depending on the route, and then, then he runs. And a lot of that's done pre-snap. What I will say about Baker, I, the only area where I actually think he's improved somewhat significantly are pre-snap reads. He's doing a much better job of that this year than he was last year. Not that it matters too much when... You can't read the field quickly post snap, yeah. but I do think he's doing a much better job pre snap, and that's why I'm always cautious. Like I'm seeing, and, and I don't disagree. The Browns should draft a quarterback this year, mm-hmm. but, but I don't think you can just throw a quarterback in, right? I, I mean, Joe Burrow looked really good. Don't get me wrong, and everybody's talking about how great Joe Burrow. Was. Like, they had to dumb down that offense significantly. Like, the reason the Bengals haven't won games is that offense and we saw this in two games against them Mm -hmm. it's dink and dunk very simple eventually like quarterbacks need to make pre-snap reads if you want to win Mm -hmm. and i I don't know that a rookie there are some that come in and can do it i don't know that the one the browns will be in position to draft is going to be able to do it
0: probably not but uh good news for the browns and whoever their future quarterback they draft is is they have a Or an offense that's based off the run where they don't necessarily need them to come in and be as dynamic as uh, Justin Herbert is for the Chargers.
1: Right, right. And Justin Herbert would be an example of a guy that came in and can do... And so what they were saying is he actually improved a lot during training camp, is Mm -hmm. what I was reading. And they focus pretty much exclusively on those pre-snap reads. Mm -hmm. And I agree with you. The Browns don't need a quarterback to come in and do all this stuff pre-snap i i still think the best solution for the browns is find somebody to take on baker just trade him for whatever you can get if it's a third round pick or fourth round pick whatever i mean somebody's going to give that up for him right because th- there are enough teams in the nfl that think they can fix these guys and mm-hmm. every year these guys go for something like that. I mean, Nick Foles went for, like, a second-round pick, right? Like, How many times I, I, did Sam Bradford get traded for a 1st pick? Right. I mean, I, I think Baker is better than Nick Foles this year. I mean, just, like, by the numbers, he is better. And, and I don't think Baker's good. I, my, my ideal situation is they trade for somebody like a Matt Stafford and then draft a quarterback. And you basically tell Matt Stafford, listen, we just gave up. Uh, probably what would, would it be a first-round, maybe a second-round pick for you. Mm-hmm. You're a starter this year and next year. Uh, this guy is eventually going to be the starter when you retire or leave. Mm-hmm. So he's just going to sit through your jobs, not, in, not under threat. I, I think that is kind of the best move. I don't think you can draft a quarterback and not have Baker get pouty. At least draft one high, and that's a worry for me.
0: I agree. I, I mean— and the, the one thing to consider is, I, we don't know how much this roster is going to change once this season's over, you know, with the off season, there I mean, there could be radical changes made on the offensive side of the ball in regards to the receivers, even though... Oh, I think there will be. And even though one of them probably is now at an all-time low for trade value, even though he was at that beforehand. It got even lower. That would be Odell. But looking at those two guys and how much money they make, I mean... I think the fact that uh, they made it to this season with both of them on the roster, they played through the season and through the trade deadline with both of them on the roster, is nothing short of a miracle.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I still feel, and I've been saying this for a year now, I think the 49ers, especially following this season, mm-hmm. are going to trade for Odell. I, don't get me wrong. The, the, the receivers, Debo, looks great. Ayuk mm-hmm. has been like quietly one of the best rookie receivers, but they don't have that guy that is just a downfield, big, great hands type receiver. Mm-hmm. I think Odell makes so much sense there. And I think the 49ers are going to say, I mean, they're not going to have a late first, so they won't trade it, but I could see them trading a second round pick or maybe a first round pick next year for Odell. Mm-hmm. And uh, if that even coming off that injury and i think if that gets offered the browns really have to listen if you get offered a third or higher you take it for him at this point it's not
0: indicative of his talent level he's obviously worth more than that it's how much money he's made and how
1: frequently he's been injured well in what uh, the only situation where i i don't think it's worth it is if you can find a way to get like a Dak prescott this summer like a, yes. a good quarterback that's going to be able to make those throws. If you can do that, then I say keep him. And I think in that world, then you—that is the world where you start talking about maybe not re-signing Nick Chubb. It, I don't think that world is likely, and I don't think a quarterback like that is due to come on the market for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Which means you're going to have to draft somebody, and there's only so much salary you can spend. And if you don't have a quarterback like that, you need Nick Chubb. And if you need Nick Chubb, that means you're going to have to re-sign Nick Chubb. I, I know he gets hurt a lot. I think that helps the Browns in negotiations with Denzel Ward. Mm-hmm. Like, like, he's going to miss three weeks now. I think that's terrible for our defense. We'll talk about that later. But yeah. I, I, he is a overall really, really, really good cornerback when he's healthy.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think because he's been hurt, the Browns will have leverage. And I think they'll use that leverage and re-sign him.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It, you're, I mean, you're going to want to have salary cap available. Mm -hmm. I think that means Odell's definitely getting traded. I think that may mean Jarvis is getting traded and then you just draft a receiver in the first round. This is a good receiver draft. It's not as good as last year, but it is good. Yeah. Uh,
0: The one thing I will say is if, while uh, a situation where getting a Dak Prescott or somebody else would be very entertaining, I think that, you know, not signing Nick Chubb or, you know, running backs long-term, what I think that would be it would be contradictive to what they're trying to do with Stefanski, with his particular offense. Like if they didn't hire Stefanski or Stefanski wasn't someone who seems relatively, I'm not going to say stuck in his ways or entrenched in this offense, but wants to do something based in this particular offensive scheme, it would be a different conversation. But we know what his offensive scheme is and what, you know, the base version of it is. And it's what we're seeing this year.
1: I mean, I actually think what I would say is I don't – I would look at those first few games, right? I think that is the base offense, not the Ravens game, but Mm -hmm. when they kind of – so the Bengals, the Cowboys, where it was a little bit more aggressive. But I think what was happening and what they realized is teams figured out Baker's going to overthrow if you use zone defense. Mm -hmm. And Stefanski, there's no way to fix that, right? And so he's really dumbed down the offense. I don't think he wants Dak Prescott is a different story, Mm -hmm. but I don't necessarily like, I think a Matt Stafford, Stefanski would love be Mm -hmm. a Stafford would do all the things Baker wants to do. And, or not Baker Stefanski wants to do that. We saw in those first few games without the interceptions. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't think you will, they will be in a position to have that. I, I ultimately don't think they'll be able to get Stafford or Dak or any of those guys. And if you're not in a position to do that, you should not keep those receivers. Yeah, no, I'm not going to disagree with that. I mean, you're, you're.
0: I don't want to say wasting talents or, or wasting money, but at, at, there's a certain point where you get, and you have to have that conversation about, is this the best way that we are using our
1: resources? Right. I mean, look at the 49ers, right? So, yes, I think they need another receiver, but I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo's amazing. He's fine. And you can Samuel do kind of the majority of that load. Look at the Rams, right? And the Rams mm-hmm. run a kind of more pass-heavy version of our same offense. Mm-hmm. But still, I mean, Robert Woods is a really good receiver. Cooper Cup's a really good receiver. They're also not huge contract receivers.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I I think that ultimately is what Stefanski needs. Like receivers that are A good at blocking, B good at running routes.
0: And uh, I'm not, I feel like Jarvis Landry fits that bill. Um, Odell seems to improvise from time to time. uh, Yeah, well, running route department.
1: Yeah, they were giving Odell a lot of freedom and Baker just was not, he and Baker don't have the chemistry. They don't. And I, I, again, if you get Matt Stafford, I don't trade any of those guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you get Matt Stafford, I, I think the issue you're going to have is Nick Chubb's contract. But I still think you can work around that. I, I think there, there will be moves that are not great, but I think they will find a way to work around that. Mm-hmm. But beyond getting somebody like that, or, like, if they find a way to trade up to the number one or two overall pick and get Fields or Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't think that's likely, but that's a world where I could see you keep O'Dell. I mean, and maybe they walk in the next season with O'Dell, right? I, I don't. So I don't think they're going to make the playoffs this year. I think the AFC is just way too competitive. Mm-hmm. But I think it's been a good season. Again, like, overall, it's been kind of on the higher end of outcomes that I could for could have foreseen if they make the playoffs if baker starts improving then maybe run it back i don't i would find it hard to believe baker all of a sudden starts improving
0: i would too especially uh with how much the conversation was once odell went down that oh baker's gonna be so much better because odell's gone and he plays better without odell and while there was some data to say he in the past his numbers have been better when not when Odell was not on the field or not targeting to him. The team's better with Odell Beckham Jr. Let's be real yeah, here. Yeah, um, of course. The three games without Odell, uh, Baker Mayfield has completed. Let's see, fifty three point seven three percent of his passes. For 458 yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions, this is the longest touchdown streak of his career. Uh, Again, win was a factor, but you saw the other quarterbacks throwing touchdown passes, so uh, I will leave that at that. (laughs) Uh, There was, still staying on the whole Baker discussion, there was a tweet I saw yesterday saying, if you could rank or grade baker on a scale of one to ten where would you put him uh i put him in
1: a four where would you put him uh on a scale so i guess so i was doing this exercise in my head a while ago ranking quarterbacks Mm -hmm. and i had baker at kind of the upper end of short-term quarterbacks like quarterbacks you don't necessarily want Mm long-term and they're probably spot starters is kind of where I had him because listen, he he is a really good athlete. Uh, you can't question that. He actually has a strong arm. Like there are things about Baker that are still attractive. I I I would I think about a four. I I this offense should be easier than he's making it, mm-hmm. which is what's frustrating. Like Stefanski's scheming receivers open most plays, and Baker's just not seeing them, and that to me is very concerning because. Everybody says, oh, well, he used to be able to do that. Well, I don't know that he used to be able to do that, one. But two, if he did, if he was able to do that, and he can't, and he hasn't been able to for two years, there's something wrong. Mm-hmm. And we don't know what that something is, and we don't know how to fix it. So I, I also think he's just very arrogant, yes. which was fine year one, right? When we were playing better than the Browns had played in a decade, mm-hmm. and Baker was playing really well, at least for what was being called for him. That's fine. Like, I'm cool with the arrogance. We are not winning games because of him. We're not winning games because of his leadership. We're not winning games because of how he's playing. Mm -hmm. And to me, there's a little bit of arrogance there. Like, the players can say whatever they want. I think if Baker got benched tomorrow, they would do the same thing they're doing for Baker around Case Keenum, and it probably would look a little bit better.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So four or five for me, somewhere in that range.
0: Yeah, I I have him as, as a solid four. Uh, you know, the higher end of this being, you know, ten being Patrick Mahomes, prime Tom Brady, prime Peyton Manning, you know, Brett Favre, what have you. You know, uh, one on this list being Jamarcus Russell, two being Johnny Manziel, three being Nathan Peterman. So,
1: Oh see, I, I have uh, Manziel is a one. I, my, my low end, I think, is a little bit deeper than your low end. Uh, well, I put, I put uh, Jamarcus Russell at one. Uh, he, he, you know, with the infamous got a, a
0: a dvd with nothing on it then when he was told yeah, asked what it was he said he watched blitz packages right, uh, right that's so that's one uh, i only put manzel at two because even though he was a <clears throat> party boy he at least tried <laughs> on the field did he i'd say did... tr-
1: i'd say he tried on the field not during practice i guess yeah i i guess right that uh, but... Jamarcus, the one is like quarterbacks that don't want to be quarterbacks yeah. and are also terrible at it. Number two is like quarterbacks that want to be quarterbacks. Listen, I don't think Mansell wanted to be a quarterback because he was competitive. I think he, he liked fame mm-hmm. and that's why. But because of that, like I, I'm sure there was a little bit of effort. At there, least there was on... some effort and you so at least saw fair. that that's during fair. the game that he at least cared what was happening.
0: You know, yeah, I don't so think fair. I ever
1: saw that out of Jamarcus Russell. That's totally fair. I, I, I just, yeah, no, that's, that's totally fair. I mean, for me, Peterman is a guy that probably still is a decent backup. Like, everything I've read about Peterman is he's almost more of a coach, right? He, mm-hmm. he can read the game just fine when he's not on the field. And what makes it so attractive to teams is, like, they see him in the locker room, right, or in prep, and he's diagnosing everything perfectly, and then he gets on the field. And it's like, what do? <laughs> right? And, and I, so for me, Baker's kind of in that tier where you have, and I don't know what it is, but kind of like a almost Ryan Fitzpatricky, right? Where they have some really good games and some really bad games. The difference is with Baker, the expectations are higher, mm-hmm. right? Ultimately, the Dolphins know slash new Ryan Fitzpatrick was there to be the bridge for Tua.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You want Baker to be a starter. Yeah. And that to me is what's disappointing is that he looks like a high-end backup.
0: And I think that's what he really, really is. Uh, He's a high-end backup. um, Probably at the end of the day is just a stronger armed
1: Colt McCoy. At least Colt McCoy had a fast release. That's the other thing that's killing me about Baker this year. His release seems so slow. He, it is slow, and he's indecisive. Uh, yeah. That's yeah. all. Uh, more of uh, what it is in the release. It's it, just indecisiveness. It's indecisiveness. At
0: least Colt McCoy would dump it off to the running back twenty times a game. Um, right, right.
1: So that's that's where I'm at with him. Um, I mean, do you think he can improve? Like honestly, like in a do you think there is a world where Baker can improve? Like maybe not this year, but going into the next season.
0: I'm going to say no, because what I'm seeing out of Baker is exactly what I thought he'd be. Year one surprised me. He played way better than I thought he was going to, way better than I thought he was ever capable of. Um, Then everyone, you know, got some NFL tape on him. They adjusted. And there's nothing that he can do to make them get off of their adjustment that they made. Um... He was pretty much exposed last year, Mm -hmm. and it it continues this year. I mean, what was the the conversation coming into this year? This is the year where, you know, he's got to put up or shut up. Like, this is make or break it, whatever you want to say. And I've seen nothing from him which shows improvement. I've seen nothing from him that says, let's sign up for another year of this. Let's say that, something I've seen where it would be pick up the fifth-year option. I've seen everything to be like, okay, I think we have enough information to know what we have here, and it's, at the end of the day, time to move along.
1: Yeah, so I actually would pick up the fifth-year option only because I think with a quarterback, that makes them easier to trade. Um, The problem is going to be a fifth-year option is going to be really expensive, but so is something like a franchise tag. Yeah. I don't know, like, he gets paid enough that cutting him really hits your salary. So I don't think they can cut him. And, I, I, listen, you could trade him before that fifth-year option kicks in, but I, I think almost you have to do it just so there's some element of trade value there.
0: I, I mean, the the way I, reason I said just let him go is why delay the inevitable? Why Why even keep that door open for you. There's a point where you need to make a decisive decisive decision. You just can't keep towing the line down the middle anymore. And if they keep him, if they pick up the feature option, I think they'll feel like they're just towing the line down the middle. And instead of just ripping the bandaid off with, with somebody like this, they're like, um, we're going to, we're going to keep seeing how it's going. I mean, his debt cap for next year is $10 million. That would kind of suck if you ended up cutting him.
1: But it's not insurmountable. No, I mean I think it is. Um, I actually think ten million in dead cap really hurts you next year, and so I I think the world. There's two worlds, right? One is Baker's not on the roster, Mm -hmm. and the other is Baker is on the roster. And I think if you end up in a world with Baker on the roster without a like, if your quarterback is the the other choice is a rookie or Case Keenum. I think Baker's a nightmare to deal with. I think he is a locker room cancer if he doesn't have that fifth-year option picked up. And I I think nobody's going to trade for him if you don't pick up that option because nobody wants a quarterback with one year left on their deal. Um, Now, do I think you're going to get a lot for him? Probably not, but I think you pick it up. And listen, the Browns will have to, and they will, scan the market, right? Mm -hmm. Is there a team that's going to be willing to trade for Baker? Uh, if not, then I I don't know what you do. Um, I I think the goal for the team is going to be competitive, to be competitive again next year, 10 million dead cap ruins you. Like you're, you will not be competitive because you're going to walk into next season with the same roster, um, and a different quarterback. And I, that, I think there'll be areas of improvement, right? The offensive line will get better. Jed Wills has. Had a few rough games here and there But like overall he's showing you he's going To be a good NFL tackle mm-hmm. uh, And that line just gonna have another Year together so that's gonna be good I, I think the running game will improve Just as they learn Kind of this offense more and more But I, I think Not sign I mean Again like that world is a World where you a have to draft a Quarterback and then be every Defensive hole is gonna have to be filled by a rookie Because the cap's gonna be so hit Mm -hmm. and that to me is just terrifying and so i think that that 10 million cap it is not insignificant i mean the way i the way
0: i see it is that they're they're a team that's gonna have to make wholesale changes one way or the other um i i do think that while we've seen progress this year uh, if they took a step back next year i would not be
1: surprised for one reason No, they're gonna have a more difficult schedule probably like they're going to take a step back but the the, the, well there's worlds where they don't right but i think more than likely they take a step back and again i agree we need wholesale changes which is why i don't think a 10 million dollar cap hit is what you want you you Um, don't want it especially
0: i'm not saying that you want it or say yes let's just sink 10 million dollars of dead money i'm just saying that if there, if it came down to it, I think it's something that they could handle and navigate around, even though it's not optimal.
1: Well, I, I mean, again, I just it depends how you want to go about fixing those changes, right? If your goal in fixing the changes is not to be good, like, if it's long-term, then yeah. Because I think then you draft a quarterback first and then just use all the rest of your picks on defense. Mm-hmm. But but those, like, defensive players generally are not good year one. Like, Jordan Fuller's good for the Rams. I have no idea how Jordan Fuller fell to the sixth round. Like, he was really good in college. And it's not a surprise. But, but overall, these guys are not year one contributors, especially where the Browns have holes. Yeah. And so, I mean, that that may be all right, but then the commitment you're making there is you stick with it the following year. hmm and I just, I, to me, I, I think the way they will need to go about those changes is do kind of the draft a quarterback early and then draft defense the rest of the way mm-hmm. situation. But I think they're also going to have to use free agency, similar to how they did this year, right? Yeah. Like I, Carl Joseph has been more or less a bust, but that mm-hmm. type of signing, that kind of one-year deal is really valuable.
0: Yeah. And
1: if you take the $10 million cap, it, I don't think you'll have the money to be able to do that. I mean and that's fair. I, the, the way I was just looking at it is like just
0: if you're going to move on don't delay it. Just just be like okay, we're done. Let's go. That's just the way well, I'm, right. I'm going and, about it.
1: And I agree with you. I think the ultimate goal should be to move on, which is why I think picking up the fifth year option is the way to go. I just Because it's not like it hits your cap harder this next season. And then you're giving another team a quarterback for two years. Rather
0: than What's this fifth-year option going to be? What's it going to be like $25
1: million. It's going to be outrageous. Yeah, but you're not going to trade him. I, I, I think the two worlds you're in is you pick up the fifth-year option and you trade him, or you don't, and you hope he's not a cancer.
0: <clears throat> and uh, I'm glad I don't have to be the one to pull yeah. the trigger on that decision.
1: <laughs> or, or, Or alternatively, I think the other world is... A really good quarterback becomes available, mm-hmm. like like a Stafford or a Prescott, honestly. And yeah. you get that quarterback, then I think you probably don't pick up the option and you cut them and you say, "We're going to bring back more or less the same team, and we have a better quarterback." But in a world where that's not available, I think is where you have to make that tough choice. Yeah. So you you spoke a lot about defense uh, in regards to this ten
0: million dollar cap hit that Baker would have, or you know dead cap. Uh, How concerned are you about the defense for the rest of the season? Uh, You you mentioned earlier Denzel Ward out for three weeks with a calf injury. Uh, Miles Garrett currently on the COVID list. Greedy Williams is uh, MIA, and I would not expect him to play the remainder of the season, considering he has a nerve injury in his shoulder. And Terrence Mitchell doesn't look bad. But, I mean, those are probably your three best defensive players or two of them yeah. are definitely your three your, two of your best yeah. players greedy williams is probably one of your better defensive backs but i'm yeah. not necessarily that high on the defensive backs to begin with so uh. so
1: i actually think denzel ward's injury is going to be more impactful than losing miles garrett and i know that sounds crazy because miles mm-hmm. garrett is just i mean he th- these two losing two games is gonna hurt him but otherwise he was probably winning defensive player of the year yeah So, so I get this sounds crazy, but I think what Denzel Ward does for this defense is like the single man corner Mm -hmm. who, I mean, Denzel Ward doesn't have flashy stats because teams just don't throw to him. Yeah. And I think that is so important. And I really like, now you're going to have Terrence Mitchell and Kevin Johnson as your two starting corners and Terrence Mitchell's fine. He'll do what he's been doing. Kevin Johnson's been really unimpressive.
0: And I was then, not he, big it, on that sign to begin
1: with. Ugh. No, and he's been really unimpressive. And, and I mean, Terrence Mitchell is your best corner right now. I, Greedy will I, – I think Terrence Mitchell is better than Greedy. And the Browns have a huge problem, right? I, I get the issues with the linebacker. Like, trust me, that's a huge hole. I actually think cornerback may be the biggest hole on the team. because Not because – like, Denzel Ward – it's whatever. He's gonna miss two to three games every season. Like mm-hmm. you just have to accept that. Uh, but that's okay, right? Because he's so good the rest of the way that you kind of just eat it. But but then you need another corner opposite him. Mm-hmm. And I think the hope was it would be Greedy Williams. But a nerve injury in your shoulder, I, he's never gonna be reach what his potential is. I, coming I
0: mean, around. the way I'm feeling about Greedy is. Uh... Uh, All it takes for him to get just you know one shoulder, you know, to him to just make one tackle, and it's another issue with his shoulder again.
1: And well, and
0: yeah, and and so, I mean, again, I am not a medical professional. I know very little about stuff about that. All I know is a a nerve injury in your shoulder that's kept him out this entire season so far. Yeah, Uh, it's not good for the long term uh, in regards to uh, his prospects of. Uh, working out, um, but it, whatever you get out of him at this moment in time, just consider that uh, a bonus,
1: really. Cause... And it, honestly, it's kind of sad, right? Because I actually, like, Greedy coming out of the draft had literally only one hole. Mm-hmm. Like, there was literally only one of him. We knew it was his tackling. Mm-hmm. But, I, I mean, even if the tackling never really improved, he was so talented everywhere else. Like, this was a guy that, I, I mean... I think could have been a complete kind of turnover generating machine, mm-hmm. and it's sad because he'll never be able to be that anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I think the other issue with the shoulder injury is I don't know that he'll be able to get turnovers as well.
0: Yeah, that could be uh, an
1: issue. And, and so I think because he's big and he, I mean, what people don't realize, Greedy's actually smart. Like Greedy reads the field pretty well, and I, I think because of that, he'll have a role in the NFL always. Mm-hmm. But I think it'll be probably closer to like a backup cornerback than a slot corner or starting corner,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which is sad. But, it, right, I mean, I agree with you. I think they need to draft a cornerback. I think they need to draft a safety. Um, I mean, we still don't know anything about Grant Delphi, right? He was supposed to have been looking good, but you don't know until they play on the field. And okay. so I think you got to draft another safety. And I think you need mm-hmm. at least one to two more linebackers and an edge rusher opposite Miles Garrett. And defensive tackles. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I've I, actually been more impressed with Jordan Elliott than Larry Ogunjobi, to be honest with you. And I think the coaching staff has too, because Elliott's mm-hmm. playing more snaps. Yeah, he is. Yeah, you know, but you know, looking for you know long term options. Sheldon
0: Richardson's nice. Um He's getting gonna, older. Don't know uh, if they're going to
1: keep him beyond his current contract.
0: That's the I only thing. I don't think they're I going to. I,
1: the, oh. They got to get kind of one of those run-stuffing defensive tack. Oh, and maybe Andrew Billings is that guy. But I think more I, than, I, like, you got to draft somebody like that. I completely forgot he existed because he opted out of the season. Uh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. And listen, in hindsight, I, like, given how bad things are, I don't blame him for opting out. It probably was the better option. Mm-hmm. But um, it, he's still under contract next year. And he was really good at, in Cincinnati, like, it, yeah. it, what the Browns, I think, need. And so my hope is that maybe that's solution, but you're right. they got to draft one. There are so many holes on this defense. Mm -hmm. And you're not going to be able to fix it all in one offseason, but you have to take as many shots at fixing it as possible. And so you diagnose where the biggest problem areas are, right? Like what could you fix that would make this defense look good next year? And I think just given kind of what this staff wants to do, Mm -hmm. they need a pass-defending linebacker Mm -hmm. and a cornerback. Because we don't have any of those this year, mm-hmm. I think the next... It, Jackson, I'm not worried about because Mike Lennon's are going to be starting for them. I, they're yeah. not going to... I, I I My concern is we may shut shut out. Maybe a shutout, right? Or like mm-hmm. a, they'll only score seven. And then we go into Tennessee, who I think is just going... Even with Miles, I think they're going to tear apart our pass defense.
0: Yeah.
1: That's I mean, been it's, a it's very fast like recovery from Ward. Uh,
0: uh, yeah, I mean he's got a calf injury and let's be real here calf injuries are going to linger around the entire season as we saw with Wyatt Teller
1: uh, he was questionable going into this past Sunday's game because of yeah. his calf injury yeah. uh, and for an offensive lineman it's a very different type of importance mm-hmm. not that they're unimportant yeah. obviously but for i don't know that you can do your job as a cornerback if that calf is really bothering you
0: yeah and if it's a, i mean it's a recurring thing and it's it's right. going to be there
1: the rest of the season Yep,
0: it's it's all it's it's not a quick thing the, the earliest you'll see denzel ward recovered from this calf injury is next season i mean because yeah. there there was a guy who played uh baseball in cleveland uh lonnie chisholm who dealt with calf mm-hmm. injuries for years and it <laughs> essentially ended his career
1: yeah well and i i mean i again i i think so wyatt heller is not great this past week he was good he was fine he's wyatt Teller, yeah. but he was not – you could tell it was still bothering him. Mm-hmm. And, right, I, I think Denzel Ward probably plays again this season. Uh, whoever we play after Tennessee, is it Baltimore? Or See, New York it's, it's, or... I believe
0: it's Baltimore.
1: But Baltimore. So I believe it's Baltimore. Think he, it's very plausible Denzel Ward is back on the field for that game. Yes. I don't know that they will be using him in the same way. I actually think Baltimore would be a really good game for that because the receivers are not good. Yeah, so it goes Jacksonville, Tennessee, Baltimore, Giants, Jets, Pittsburgh. Yeah, so I think you see him back on the field against Baltimore. And that's
0: a Monday night game, so he does get an extra day in there. So uh, factor that in. Uh, A little less important against the two New York teams. Uh, Possibly not important at all against Pittsburgh, depending on how they finish their season, because that could be the classic Steelers play the backup roster game.
1: Uh, um, what I will say, I think the Giants are much better than the record. I think if you Irish. like followed them at all this season, they are really improving as mm-hmm. the season goes along. They're a young team with a new head coach, and yeah. they are improving as the season continues. I, that team scares me a little bit. Like I, I think that could be a trap game.
0: And their new coach is not afraid to possibly get into a fistfight. Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> Joe well, Judge I, and Mark Colombo going at it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I... I that's going to be a weird game because I, so I actually think we may beat Baltimore. I think Baltimore may have problems that are not fixable during the season. And I think they're like when Baltimore goes down, they lose, they do not Mm -hmm. come back. They've not been able to do that for three years. And I think we may win that game after losing the Tennessee game. And I think that team's going to go in super arrogant against the giants. And I think the Giants may smack us.
0: It's very possible. I'm still very much concerned about uh, the Baltimore game. Not just because of the way things went down in week one. But we know what Baltimore is uh, for the most part. They're they're a team that is uh, at least, they're better defensively. Uh, and they're relatively inconsistent on offense uh, this year. But I still think that their particular offense will
1: give the Browns defense trouble. Oh, I I mean, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game, and I'm not confident we're going to win or even over 50% that we're going to win. But I I think that one of the more likely worlds is they win, and then it looks like they're going to go to the playoffs, and then they lose to the Giants. Mm -hmm. Also, I think the Giants probably win that division. Daniel Jones looks awful. That division is a dumpster fire. I mean, Daniel Jones looks awful, but I think they may have the best coach in that division. Uh, let's see. It's it's Joe Judge. I mean, McCar- yeah. Mike McCarthy looks terrible. Ron Rivera looks terrible.
0: And uh, Doug Peterson. Peterson. Terrible. The roller coaster that has been the Philadelphia Eagles for their success and how bad they've looked this year is just absolutely amazing. Um, oh, they're terrible. Anyway, you know, I messaged this to you uh, during the game, but I've also written about it and tweeted about it. But Frank Reich seems to be the, the person that was running that ship. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yep. And ever since he departed, that team has just not been the same. Um, they really haven't been good since the Super Bowl. They've been riding that Super Bowl win. Uh, and you know, congratulations to the Eagles won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. But at some point, you have to turn the page, right?
1: And right. I'm not I, sure if they have. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what I think the Browns did really well defensively that game, like credit to, like again, I think it was a little bit of a mirage because <laughs> the Eagles are bad, but yeah, you. So this is like Andy Reid mm-hmm. can do all this trickery and like, like not necessarily trick plays, but like very creative plays. Yes. And he can do that because he's really good at assessing his entire career. He's been really good at assessing how good his quarterback actually is. Mm -hmm. And depending on how good they are and what they're good at, he implements plays that really help them. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Everybody from that tree, like it was his offensive coordinator, Peterson Nagy, they look like it's like they don't assess that. They just try to run that same really creative stuff. Well, I mean, if your quarterback can't do it, Mm-hmm. Why would you run it? And I mean, you're seeing that in Chicago this year. You're seeing that in Philadelphia this year. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think you got to move on from him. I, I, that's why I'm also less kind of less high on the Chiefs offensive coordinator who everybody thinks deserves a head coaching job. I just, Yeah, the enemy. Listen, he seems really smart. He probably does deserve one. I'm just not confident that, Anybody from that tree is going to be really good. I think it's a little bit like defensive coordinators from the Belichick tree.
0: Yeah, that's that's possible. Um, there are two things I want to talk about about Philly, though. One, mm-hmm. a, a term I have since adopted and used uh, a lot, which came from Michael Lombardi is the term battleship football for yep. the Eagles offense. <laughs> Absolutely yep. perfect description for the way they have a game. I there's there's no building there's no rhyme or reason for what they're doing, they just go okay we're gonna go five wide and throw here and next we're gonna be in the I formation uh, they're, they're, right. you're not you're not doing anything there's no gr- you know gradual evolution it's just like we're just gonna do whatever and they ran the ball nine of the first ten plays it looked like they were going to score a touchdown against the Browns right they ran the ball like I, I don't even remember how much it was maybe fifteen times the rest of the game. Yeah. Uh, they had a clear advantage running the ball, and they just said, nope, we're done. Let me, let me tell you a little bit. this. So it was nine of the first 10 plays, then 16
1: times total the rest of the game. So, yeah, I mean, it's, he is a terrible coach. And, again, I, I think, A, a lot of it was right. I also think they got really lucky that year. Like, you had Nick Foles just hit a hot streak yeah. at the right time. And you had a... I mean, that defense, to be fair, that defense was amazing, and mm-hmm. that was winning them games. Yeah. And eventually, defenses, like, it, I, I mean, you always want a great defense, but defenses generally will not win you games against the best teams. And so the There's offense it. was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I mean, but think about all, like, the best defenses that had bad offenses around them that won Super Bowls. Two in the past 20 years? The the Ravens uh, yeah. in 2000. Um, and then the Patriots against the Rams. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, so I guess my view is that you you need a good defense to win a Super Bowl, but a good defense alone will not win you a Super Bowl. Yeah. And I think what's going on is the defense is still pretty good. I mean, they, they're super injured and they don't have much of a secondary, mm-hmm. but considering all that, the defense is fine. Uh, Fletcher Cox is unbelievable, but that offense is just... I mean, that's, I think, what's killed them is the offense regressed. Yeah.
0: And it's it's not helping them that, you know, Carson Wentz has not played uh, good this year. He has not played up to what everyone thought he was going to be. Uh, in my opinion, if there's anyone that needs a change of scenery, it's probably Carson Wentz.
1: Um, That's another one that I think may, who actually I think Carson Wentz will be available this summer. And,
0: um, as you probably saw on Twitter, uh, in the 24 hours following, uh, the Browns went over the Eagles, everyone was going back to that take from the 2016 draft where the Browns traded out of the number two spot instead of getting Wentz. And they were like, Oh, the Browns were right. Deep Podesta was
1: right. I mean, Wentz almost won the MVP. I I also actually Wentz is a guy that I so everybody's like, oh Baker's better than Wentz. I uh, no. No, he's not. I, I think <laughs> I, I think Baker has a better offensive play caller by leaps and bounds than Wentz does. I would take I a left handed version of Carson Wentz versus I think, Baker Mayfield. Yeah. I mean I think Carson Wentz would be dominant and not I mean there are things you need to fix, right? His yeah. footwork, his stance need to be fixed. Mm-hmm. But he does read the field. He does not stare down receivers like Baker does.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think in this offense, like that would be a guy I would take a flyer on. I know he has a huge contract, and I but I think there's a way to make that trade with the Eagles work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's where would be okay cutting Baker Mayfield. Yes, but because you get Carson Wentz for two more years. Mm-hmm. If he sucks, you're you're where you are anyways. Yeah. So. Let, let's revisit uh, that draft where they passed
0: on Carson Wentz. Do you know there's only three players left if you follow the tree of trades and moves on the roster from that trade?
1: Yeah, no, no, no. that that was a that was a terrible move. That that was a, I mean, I don't even know that I was deep at us. It seems like Hugh Jackson didn't want him either. Like, and I don't know why Hugh Jackson had any voice in the draft. I mean, I mean Hugh Jackson's gone back and said he wanted all these guys. But I mean, even Mike Silver, who's Hugh Jackson's mm-hmm. personal microphone, mm-hmm. said that Hugh Jackson did not want Carson Wentz.
0: I mean, I, I take uh, I never believe anything Hugh Jackson says because he always wants to make himself look better. But um, the only three players from that from the the trades that are left mm-hmm. are Denzel Ward, mm-hmm. uh, Odell Beckham Jr., and Jordan mm-hmm. Elliott. If you follow the the tree and yeah. all of the fall downs and. With all the draft picks that they made, all the other moves, all the other players they passed up on in the process,
1: that's a colossal failure. Yeah, and like, listen, I actually think tanking was the right decision. Like, they needed to reboot that entire roster. Mm-hmm. I think more so than this past summer, that was the summer where you signed McDaniels. Um, mm-hmm. Like, the year they signed Hugh. Mm-hmm. I, I think that was, you needed a guy that was going to run that just nuking of the uh, of the team And mm-hmm. I think Hugh Jackson was the wrong guy to pick. I, again, everything that comes to light about McDaniel's, he has no issue with the Podesta and has no issue with analytics. Mm-hmm. It is that he want, and, and so I, he wanted to blow it up, and that's why they didn't sign him twice. And I think this year it makes a little bit more sense because I, I think stefancy's also shown he's a really good, like re- he's a really good coach. He's young, and we still have a lot to see, but I, like everything he's shown is that, is very promising and i just like that was a terrible terrible trade down and that's the thing like with these processes in every sport it's not just football but it's football it's basketball what you're doing is you're taking more shots at you're you're taking more shots at the target right you're you're giving up your close range shot for five to six mid-range shots and that's okay Mm -hmm. but then you got to hit on a few of those and i think the proud, one of the issues the Browns made, like with that Odell pick, is you make that trade, then the first trade he made wasn't worth it. Mm-hmm. Because the idea is you get, like the idea meant that you tr- try to get rookies on cheap contracts. Mm-hmm. So like the Denzel Ward pick makes a lot of sense. I think the Jordan Elliott pick, uh, given where you're taking, makes a lot of sense.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But I just don't, I mean, they were, that, that was the problem with that regime. Is those constant trade downs and, Yeah And I mean And, and not using them uh, like.
0: uh, They whiffed on every pick uh, Let's be real yeah. here uh, In that
1: 16 draft uh, I gotta be honest dude. I, I know I love Miles, don't get me wrong I think the Miles pick was a whiff Ooh You could have had Deshaun Watson or Patrick and Not even Patrick Mahomes. that's ridiculous You could have had Deshaun Watson I, I'm
0: not going to say the, the Garrett pick is a whiff. However, the decision to trade down and not take Watson where they could have was.
1: Yeah, that's fair, too. I mean, I like... G- Garrett's Watts? a great
0: player. I'm not going to say he's a whiff. I understand taking a, yeah, a, a, a franchise quarterback when you can is the preferred move. However, they were also in a situation to do that with their second pick, and they decided right. to take no, Jabril fair, Peppers.
1: Fair fair point. Fair point. I, I That's totally fair. I think that... Everybody's like, "Oh, Deshaun Watson doesn't look that good this year." No, 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 no. (laughs) Deshaun Watson doesn't look good because he has a terrible coaching staff, and they traded away all the good offensive players. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Deshaun Watson's a really, really, really good quarterback. Mm -hmm. Like, I think Deshaun Watson will be a top five quarterback in the NFL for probably five to ten years. Yeah, and uh, I everybody knew no, no, no dude. Everybody knew that coming out. Deshaun Watson was a can't-miss pick. He was a can't-miss pick. The Bears were stupid on taking Mitch Trubisky instead. Mm -hmm. But at least I got the process there. Miles Garrett was... Or not Miles Garrett, I'm sorry. Deshaun Watson. you, You knew. There wasn't a group of people anywhere that didn't like Deshaun Watson. Every coach, every analytics guy, every scout, every player who he played against and played with said, this guy is... An NFL quarterback. There's nothing he doesn't do. So so why do you pass that up? Imagine what we're in now if you draft Sean Watson. Uh, to play devil's advocate, for a moment, mm-hmm.
0: there were injury concerns with Watson. Okay, fair. And his coach is kind
1: of a D-bag. Well, that is true. Davo, so... Uh,
0: that's fair. He but, came yeah. out saying he is the Michael Jordan of the this. He's going to be Michael Jordan of football. It's like, okay, dude, calm down. Yeah, like, yeah. Deshaun Watson's really good. Is he the Michael Jordan? Not really. No, but yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's it's more just about like uh, the injury concerns with you know when your biggest vocal supporter is Davo. Uh, not a great combination.
1: No, I mean that's fair, but I, I, there I didn't I don't remember reading any criticism of him beyond injury concerns like mm-hmm. everybody was saying this guy is as talented as andrew luck when mm-hmm. andrew luck got drafted and I-, I think the only criticism you can really make of him in the nfl at this point is i think he is responsible for a few of his sacks like he holds that ball a very long time
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's largely because he's reading the field and when you don't have good receivers it takes a little bit longer to get the ball out and so when he had DeAndre Hopkins, he was never getting, I, what they said is like on throws where he threw DeAndre Hopkins or where DeAndre Hopkins was the main target, Watson wasn't getting sacked. Mm-hmm. It was all the other plays. Yeah. And when so so he so, had to throw it you know, Will Fuller or Jalen right. Strong or the rotating cast at tight end. Right. Exactly. And so I, I think that to me was the trade down or the pick, however you want to cut it, that hurt the team the most. Mm-hmm. I think yeah I mean I don't think in that world My guess in that world is Hugh Jackson does get Fired because he's terrible But I think Hugh Jackson may get fired After the second season Where they Mm -hmm. went 0-16 Because I I think they would probably have won three to four games Just with Watson in there Mm -hmm. And that would have been Enough to say this team should have been A seven or eight win team and then they fire Hugh Jackson and Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the world I see.
0: I mean, shit, they might have won a couple more than one game the first year if they would have took once to, you know, to be right. perfectly no, honest. No. And, you know, they probably won a few more the next year. Or, you know, they probably one, won at least one with Watson, like you said.
1: Yeah, 1,000%. I agree. And so I don't, like, I got the Baker Mayfield pick at the time. In terms of, like, I thought Darnold was a definite bust because he wasn't accurate in college. And, and that doesn't change. All over. Right. Um I thought Rosen had a lot of things that were good, except everybody said Rosen was like a complete tool. Like mm-hmm. his teammates hated him and he didn't have like anything athletically that really stood out to me. And so I kind of figured like, this guy's not going to be good in his first stop.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so you're Lamar Jackson was, uh he was a kind of guy you knew would take a while. So ignoring him, the two you were down to were Baker Mayfield and Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. And I think, the ultimate decision there was Josh Allen had the potential to be better than Baker, but they weren't sure if they had a team and a coaching staff in place to give this guy three years. So I got the logic behind the Baker pick. I also just think that quarterback class was a lot worse than people thought it was.
0: Mm-hmm. And... It's, it's pretty much uh, you have your, your the two best guys that came out of that draft are Allen and Jackson.
1: And those uh, were long-term guys. Yeah,
0: those weren't right. those. I mean, Alan's someone that's taken. Th- this is year three, and he's developed each stop of the way. And yeah. uh, I mean, and he was the guy I personally wanted, just because I, I saw those those raw and tangible yeah. things from watching those those you know his play in, in college. And you know, everyone criticized his senior year for his numbers dropping. I'm like, the only NFL caliber guys on the roster were drafted. I don't know what you want, uh, right? Right. Uh, right. You know, my concerns with Jackson were always accuracy related. Uh, they that seems to have reared its ugly head this year, as yep. he still can't throw outside. He still can't throw down the field. Uh, but you know that 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 sweet spot of ten to fifteen yards right in the middle, he's
1: he's you know as productive as ever for the most part. Yeah. No, I was fine with Baker or Allen. Again, I thought Allen, and I think everybody kind of saw this, had a much higher upside. Mm -hmm. Just like Allen's upside is a top five quarterback in the NFL. I think Baker's upside like at the time he was drafted was this guy could become Matt Ryan, which is still really good. And I think there was just like if you look at everything Baker had, Mm -hmm. you could be pretty certain like what his floor was. What I think has been surprising is the accuracy went away. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what happened there, and that he, we knew what his floor was, and that's where he's at. Like he hit the floor like that. That's yeah. where, and, and which is like again, I I don't mind the process behind drafting Baker. Yeah, I think that was done. That that was fine. Mm-hmm. But but good teams know how to move on, right? Like good yeah. management will cut the cord early, mm-hmm. and if a guy like Wentz becomes available, mm-hmm. that is a world where you either cut Baker or ship him off for a fifth or sixth round pick. Yeah. And trade for Wentz. Um and then Philly gets to start Jalen Hurts and they probably get a first round pick out of it Mm -hmm. or a second round pick out of it. And you try once for two years. If once sucks, like again, just you gotta cut the cord. But like you need to be willing to do that. And I think if you draft once then or if you trade for once then you don't have to draft a quarterback. And listen if once sucks like, then you trade them or you just cut them the following summer or whatever, mm-hmm. and you draft a quarterback then.
0: And if they were to, let's say, hypothetically trade for Carson Wentz, what it does is it, it leaves uh, the door open a little bit
1: for a, a future where you still have Odell and Jarvis Landry on the roster. Absolutely. No, no, no. If they trade for Carson Wentz, I think what the best decision then is, is to stick with those receivers and. Mm-hmm basically tell Nick Chubb. I, so what Zach Jackson's reporting on Nick Chubb is he's actually willing to take kind of a Derrick Henry type contract mm-hmm. and if he's willing to take that then I think that's a signing you make no matter what because yes. that's a very team friendly deal um same with the Christian McCaffrey's to be honest like mm-hmm. any of these contracts where the most of the money's up front and early yes I think are, is what if he's willing to do that you resign him no matter what absolutely um And so Zach Jackson's reporting that Zach Jackson's usually pretty good. Mm -hmm. So I'm willing to trust him on that one. And right. If you trade for Carson Wentz, then you kind of just, I think you more or less bring the same offense back next year Mm -hmm. and try it then. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, but you got to try like Baker. I think that there's probably a five to 10% chance he improves. And I don't know that that improvement gets him to Kirk Cousin level. Maybe it does, but I think that's about as high as it gets you to. Yeah, I, I don't think the
0: long-term future of this team is going to be tied to Baker Mayfield. And I think that, well, at least I hope that the the management and those in charge uh, recognize that. I feel like Kevin Stefanski realizes that, and that's why he's thrown the ball only like 20, 22, 25 times the past three weeks. Yeah. No,
1: no. Uh, Stavansky's he's not Stefanski's not an idiot. Mm-hmm. He knows what he has. And yeah. I mean, looking
0: at his, his game logs, uh let's see. He's Baker Mayfield's thrown the ball more than thirty times well, thirty or more times three times this season. Uh, yeah. oh the first one was the uh, week 1 lost to Baltimore, but 19 of 30 against Dallas, 21 of 37 against uh, Indianapolis, but 23, 23, 18, 28, 25, 20, 22 past thems
1: Yeah.
2: Oof. Oof, oof,
1: oof. <laughs> yeah. But again, like, I, everybody's criticizing Svansky for it. I, what do you want him to do? The, the amount of...
0: I guess blaming others for the failures of the quarterback position never, never ceases to amaze me because that's just what they'll do from from every single angle possible. Oh, it's not Baker's fault because of this. At what point is it his fault?
1: I, I right. think. Well, I, I think we're at that point. He's. We've seen him yeah. in now two offenses where before the season people thought he would be a fit. I think everything Kevin Stavansky's shown it worse. <laughs> people should be cautiously optimistic. Like it works. Mm -hmm. Like the worst view of Kevin Svansky I think you can have is he's young, still adjusting and he's not great at adjusting when the team goes down. I think those are like the only two things you could really level at him, but otherwise he's been really good. And I think saying, Oh, well he doesn't pass enough. Yeah. No kidding. I mean, look at what he has to work with. He can't. Right. Like, (laughs) And I said this before this season, and I know everybody disagreed with it. I thought they needed to draft a receiver higher, because if one of Odell or Jarvis got hurt, mm-hmm. then you'd be in a terrible position. Surprise. So now he doesn't have a number one receiver, and his quarterback is at best below average.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He's got to run got to run the ball yeah That's
0: and no you're left with cadero hodge and Rashad higgins leading the team in receiving yards and back-to-back weeks and that should tell you all you need to know about the effectiveness of the passing game
1: well and they're trying to get i mean you see it every game like stavancy is scheming the tight ends open
0: mm-hmm.
1: but the problem is baker is afraid of throwing down the middle of the field and i get it because every time he does he throws an interception yeah and so those tight ends are in like it's kind of like Baker can't make those throws or doesn't make those throws. So I don't really know what you want Stefanski to do. I mean, there's not really much you can do at that point. Uh, yeah. you got to get a new quarterback in. I think Matt Stafford on this team. I think the team's at least eight and two. I think we win the Oakland game.
0: I think you win Oakland for sure with Stafford on the roster. Uh, I would definitely say the the two losses at Baltimore, at Pittsburgh, are closer and not laughers. Yeah. Right, uh, but you probably still lose. You probably still lose, but you probably lose by two touchdowns or less,
1: not right. the 30-plus point blowouts. Right. That... And I feel like if you have Stafford right now, we're feeling much more optimistic about the future of this team.
0: Yeah, because you, uh, you at least have a quarterback who's above average— who you know is going to make
1: the throws. Right. And you have two, or you have one amazing running back and one solid running back. You're probably winning some of these games by two to three touchdowns instead of a field goal.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: I, I just think it's a better feeling. And that to me is what, like the only caution I would have about trading those receivers is I think the team is one position away from being a really good AFC team and that's the problem is that's quarterback. Yeah.
0: I mean the the other problem with with trading the receivers away is that if you were to trade the receivers away, you also have to add receivers because uh, Higgins, Hodge, Higgins. uh Peoples Jones, uh whoever the hell else is on this roster ain't going to cut it.
1: No, absolutely not. And like I know everybody's really high on DPJ and he is running good routes which is nice, but I mean, he was a six-round pick. Those receivers rarely hit, those six-round pick receivers. And more likely than not, he becomes Richard Higgins. Yeah. I mean, which is fine. I mean, for a six-round pick, that's fine. That is but fine. Uh, unless, you're, you're, unless you're the Steelers, them. you're not drafting six-round picks
0: at receiver and having them work out. Um, right, right. And, and
1: uh, as long as Peoples Jones isn't returning kicks or punts anymore. Yeah, again, the problem is we don't have anybody to do that. Like, I I don't know how. Yeah.
0: I mean, my solution's really easy. It's you call up the guy on the practice squad who's done it before, and that's Ryan Switzer.
1: Yeah, that's actually not a bad idea.
0: Uh, He's done it before, from, and he's, I'm not going to say good, but at least league average, I'd say, at being a... And that's what you need,
1: because Peoples Jones is not even that. One thing that is driving me crazy, and this is not just the Browns, it's most teams, but like Mm -hmm. the Rams are really good at this. I don't know why teams are returning kicks that they don't need to return. And largely, I say that because at best, your guy gets to the 25-yard line usually, Mm -hmm. um, especially if you don't have one of these dominant returners,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and you're risking injury. Where punts, though, I think returning is really important. Because punts are an area where if you have a really good returner, they'll punish you. Uh And so it drives me crazy that teams return kicks so much, but then call fair catch on, like, every punt. And the Browns do this, too. And it drives me insane. Yeah, just...
0: I mean, because so many of the kicks are, like, eight, nine yards back in the end zone, or, like, they're at least five deep in the end zone. Right. Like, obviously, if it's, like, kicked at the goal line or short, you're returning it... Is almost a must, but right,
1: of course, right.
0: But so many of the kicks are so deep in the end zone, you should not even touch the ball or consider it, uh, Right. consider touching it. But I, I can just, I feel what People's Jones does is at some point he's going to cost you a game, and he almost did. Yeah, <laughs> at least once yeah, this yeah. season.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree, and I, I, I agree. So. I don't really know. I think the special teams have been awful this year. They've been bad. They've been horrendous. I, there are areas where I'm really optimistic about the future of this team. Largely the big one is offensive play calling and the offensive line. I think both should theoretically be around for a long time, Mm -hmm. but the defense to me there, the only upside is it looks like you have a defensive player of the year and a number one corner who gets hurt frequently, but whatever. <laughs> Otherwise, there's no upside there. And I see no upside on special teams. Like, we, we've we gotten worse every year. It, it,
0: who would, who would uh, imagine that getting rid of... Uh, I remember his name. Special teams coordinator that was here for a long time. Tabor? Is that who it was? Chris Tabor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that yeah. somehow, uh, when things are all said and done, it might be worse without him. Yeah. As much uh, as... People wanted to keep Mike Prefer around. Uh, he has not been very good this year. Uh, and I will say questionable last season uh, Yeah. because it, it, it took him how long? It took
1: him until, like, Hilliard got hurt for him to stop returning kicks, and Hilliard was atrocious at it. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, that's fair. I mean, yeah. I, I just it would be nice to have somebody good at it. I, I actually thought, ironically, Freddie was on to something. The two games Odell was returning kicks. Yeah. But I get why you don't want to do that, especially now, right? You mm-hmm. don't want to get him hurt, so. Yeah. Uh,
0: looking at it from he towards ACL, uh, what, one play on, into one play on offense?
1: Yeah. Uh, uh I think it was
0: one play. First pass yeah. attempt against the Bengals. Uh, yeah,
1: it was a terrible pass by Baker. Baker got, Baker tore Odell's ACL. Like, let's just be clear what happened. Yeah. Uh, a, a different quarterback may have uh, altered that future there You either throw it to a different location Where you're throwing it into space Or you don't throw it to Odell there Yeah, I, I will
0: say uh, Even though it, His injury was it wasn't a contact injury It's because he like, did some weird jump thing Right? Right, right. Like At some point That was probably going to get torn at one point or another it, Of course It, you know, it wasn't necessarily because he, he didn't get hit Like Joe Burrow did Where his knee exploded so it was probably going like to get like tear at some point this season or yeah. next season. So it, the future of his ACL was it's going to be torn.
1: Yeah. I actually think, I know this sounds crazy. I think this may help Odell in the long run because I think where Odell is best is his route running, it's not like his super athleticism or his speed. <laughs> and I think the Browns were doing this thing where they were just like having him bomb downfield and yeah. then giving him a read at the end of the route so he go to a few different directions. I, I think this, for wherever he goes, teams are going to realize they can't do that anymore,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and you use him basically as a really good route runner to drag away attention, either as a decoy or to, if you have a decent quarterback, to get him the ball in space. And I think that's good. So I actually think Odell may be better in the long run because of this injury. I just don't know that it'll be on the Browns. I mean, the the one thing I'll say about uh, Odell is I think they were trying to do too much with him.
0: Me too. Um, Me too. Yes, he can beat somebody on a go-route down the field. Yes, he can uh, run a fantastic route and find himself wide open. But shave it down a lot. Uh, Have somebody whose only job is to run go-routes, like what they used to have with Brashad Perriman. And right. don't use Odell for that. I mean I mean uh, I'm not going to say that they're even in the same uh, ability level in terms of talent, but uh, look what Heinz Ward did for so many years with the Steelers. He was never a right. burner. He always just was able to find a, a soft spot in a defense or find some space, and he would make the play when the team needed it most. If you could and I find a way, could become that If you could find a way to have him play in a similar fashion. I think they'll be able to get the most out of uh, Odell Beckham Jr., even though I mean, like he's still a dynamic about, playmaker.
1: Right. I mean, think about his first year in the NFL, where he also—I mean—he made it. He was a Pro Bowler, mm-hmm. but that's how they were using him. And I think the problem is Odell is just so like I think Odell is honestly one of the most gifted athletes in the world. Mm-hmm. He, he does. He's very intelligent. He is incredible athletically. And he's really good at everything you would ask a receiver to do. The problem is, like, right, like, why are you having him run go routes? Like, just, that's a waste of his talent. And I get the idea that you want to save the slot for Jarvis. Odell is probably the best slot receiver in the NFL when he gets used there. Mm -hmm. And I I just, you know, for me, I think that One of the areas we're really missing is that really fast guy that you can also use on jet sweep type plays. Mm I don't know who that is because it's nobody on this roster. No, no. We don't have – this is why I wanted LaVisca Chenault, who I guess is hurt again, so maybe I was wrong. But (laughs) somebody like that, like just those really fast burner guys that are also really good runners, like they're yak guys. Yeah. We could use that. And I think if they stick with the receivers, they got to draft somebody like that. Yeah, absolutely, because uh,
0: there's no consistent burner guy uh, on this no. roster. They just need the the one guy that is one job all game is to just run, go routes. Just to, Yeah, run, go routes, and then, like, just sweep type stuff. Yeah, you, you make a, a safety down the field accountable, or you take a, a corner out of the mix uh, in the center right. of the field, or, you know, on the shorter routes. We just need essentially what amounts to a clear-out
1: guy. They need a clear-out guy. Exactly. Yeah, and... Those guys are available in the third round. Shit, those guys are available as undirected free agents. Yeah, but I mean, I think a guy, like, what I mean is somebody that can come in from day one and be good at yeah, it. Yeah, like, it's fair. You can get those third, fourth round. Like yeah. You don't need to use a high pick on it. I, I mean, also, those guys are also available
0: as just a, a, a one-year free agent signing for, like, the vet minimum every year. I mean, right, exactly. I mean, like, how, how many times has, you know, Ted ginn Jr. gone to a different team, and, and he's done the exact same thing his entire career? He's yeah. Done, he's running, yeah, he's run. He's
1: run a co route, and he's run a jet sweep. Yeah, no, no, that's true. I mean, I think that, and like honestly, look at how the Rams have used Robert Woods for all these years under McVay. Mm-hmm. Like, Robert Woods is not necessarily a burner, but he kind of does the same thing a burner would do, which is because he they use him in like these weird yak ways. It's always a cornerback on him, and so you're taking a cornerback out of the play. Yeah. Just somebody like that, like whether it's as a burner or just like they're these phenomenal yards after the catch guys. Either option is somebody the type of guy we need. It's a shame Brandon Cooks is getting paid so much money because he'd be perfect. Oh, I, Brandon Cooks is the best in the NFL at that job. It's a shame like, he's cut
0: unless unless they take the out. Which uh, hold on, there's an out there he yeah, has oh, contract okay. he has zero dead cap after yeah. this year
1: yeah, yeah no no no. if the browns get brandon cooks i actually like
0: if there's it, it, brandon it,
1: cooks and you have odell coming back i even with baker i think that's a playoff team i, I think he solves so many issues on that offense i mean obviously you would rather somebody better than baker but even yeah. with baker I, I think cooks is like that that is a solution to a lot of problems we have yeah if I'm Brandon Cooks, I, I just tell my
0: agent, get me the hell out of Houston any way possible. Uh, yeah. And I, I don't want them to pay me anymore. Their contract just let me go sign elsewhere. I want nothing right. to do with this
1: dumpster fire of an organization. Yeah, uh, I, mean, I feel really bad for Sean Watson, right? Like Brandon Cooks has it now. Sean Watson's stuck now.
0: Yeah, he's stuck uh, with a team that got torn apart by Bill O'Brien. Then the, the yep. corpse of the team was left to be handled by Romeo Cornell. Uh who I don't know what their long term plans are for for coach search. I saw the one thing about the Texans like they might have Romeo Cornell back next year. I'm just like, they're not gonna have Romeo Cornell back, they're gonna they're, hire some
1: young hotshot offensive coordinator.
0: They, well, they should, but uh, the the one thing I was gonna say is uh, if they opted for one more year of Romeo Cornell as their interim head coach, uh, if the at least the goal is to for the organization to find its level and at least become something you know uh that's even similar to the word stable there are a lot worse options out there than romeo cornell to go with for a one-year Fair. interim option uh, considering how Fair. just off kilter that the texans are uh, he
1: actually i don't, i really think when it comes to game planning romeo cornell is still pretty good at it mm-hmm. His problem was never the game planning it was kind of like the man management Yeah. Right. He just he he wants to be everybody's friend. But I think you're right. Like that necessarily isn't bad for a year while you figure out like they're going to nuke the roster. Right. They don't have a choice at this point. And so having a coach that, you know, you're not going to keep for more than a year Mm -hmm. may not be a bad thing.
0: Yeah. Just let the organization, you know, get some stability, find its level. Uh, Any type of people that you know might become headaches, get rid of them during that time with a guy you don't plan to have past that year. Just a guy to hold down the fort, just kind of manage people, I guess, even though he's not really that great at it, but just kind of oversee the operation and get it in his best condition possible for the next guy to
1: take control. Yep, that's fair. That's a very fair point. I had not thought of that, but I think that's a very good point. But it's the Texans, so who knows what the hell they're going to (laughs) do. Right. And that's the problem. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I, that like, I I think where Stefanski lucked out is had he become the coach last year when they hired Freddie? I think even if he was as ready as he is now, which I don't think he was, but even if he was, I think that team had a, so many holes on it. I don't know <laughs> that he would have done better. And I think there is something to be said for hiring the coach when the team is in position to be good, right? Like look at Sean McVay Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Rams waited until they had a pro bowl or a playoff roster. And then they brought in Sean McVay Um, 49ers just had this really, they have a stable organization. So they were okay with Shanahan being bad. Mm -hmm. I think my guess is Bill Belichick. This is his last year and McDaniels becomes their head coach. They have a very stable organization. They'll give McDaniels time.
2: Yeah.
1: I think that, the bigger issue with a place like Houston is if you bring a new coach was 4 and 12, that coach only has one year left. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you fire him. I mean, and I think I mean, we've seen that play out for 20 years right. here. So, Right, right. Exactly. 100%. Exactly. And we just have never had the stability to stick with somebody. Mm-hmm. And part of that's Haslam. I um, mean, yeah, part of it's
0: Haslam, part of it's uh, the former ownership. Uh, yeah, Learner. Uh, you know, Al Lerner, his absentee owner's son, Randy. Yeah. Which, yeah, no, that was fair. Uh, yeah, so... While Al Lerner gets a lot of praise for bringing the team back, there was that one story that came out a few weeks ago uh, detailing how instrumental he was in the team moving to Baltimore in the first place, and that was not necessarily 100%. a great look for him. Right. right.
1: <clears throat> so, no, I mean, I, I, it's just been bad ownership which i think it's fruit from the poison tree <laughs> Yeah, if the tree is poisoned every apple you're going to get is going to have poison on it and to me that is why i didn't care if they went this heavy analytics route if they went kind of the middle route which is the mcdaniels or they went like just the pure football guy the dorsey route mm-hmm. i didn't care which but it had to be consistent you got to stick with it and it seems like they've settled on the heavy analytics route my concern is next year when they inevitably go seven and nine, then all of a sudden Stefanski is going to be under fire for what ostensibly was a roster that needed to be turned over anyways. Mm-hmm.
0: And it's it's what's going to be important is to is to recognize the possible step back a year ahead of time, which I think, I, you know, something I mentioned earlier, something that I expect because I there's going to be changes and there's going to be possibly a more difficult schedule with a couple opponents where winna- winnable games become losable games because you're no longer playing, you know, you know, the Jets anymore. Right. Uh, right. Uh, I, I don't remember who their other uh, third place divisional opponent is this season. Uh, it is. Uh, it was uh, the Raiders who they lost to. Raiders. But, right. uh, that was a game they probably should have, might have won,
1: but th- those games don't exist next year. Right. I, I mean it I actually I am fairly low on the Bengals, so I think you'll have those two. Mm-hmm. But then next year we get the NFC but what, what we have Chicago next year, right? It's Bears, Packers, Vikings, and um, Lions. I I think Bears and Lions are well, Bears are gonna be winnable. Lions is interesting because I that roster is good it's just a terrible coach let's see you get the afc west uh okay.
0: the nfc north uh yeah okay so that, that's correct i don't know what the lions are going to be next year because i don't know how much longer
1: uh this one i the, hope we have their quarterback uh,
0: i do too but i don't know how much longer the Quintricia partnership is going to continue i've right. seen it referred to that which i thought it was funny Quintricia. no i love it uh, that
1: team is much better than the record
0: it is uh I don't know what the Bears are going to be. <laughs> the Bears still have a good defense, but obviously have a similar problem that the Browns do on offense, and that's the quarterback. Yep. Uh, who and knows? new coach. Yeah. Who, it, it very well could have a new coach. Uh, then
1: you play in the AFC West, so you're, you're more than likely going to lose to the Chiefs. You're going to lose to the Chiefs. Period. Even if Mahomes mm. out for the season, you're losing to the Chiefs. Ninety five percent chance of loss to the yeah, Chiefs. It doesn't matter who their quarterback is, they're gonna tear apart the defense.
0: Then you play the Chargers at Los Angeles. You play the Raiders again next year. Um and
1: Broncos. Which Broncos. That, that's, I'm not worried about the Broncos.
0: I don't know what to make the Broncos either.
1: They're getting worse. They're they're older, they're getting more—they're I, I, going to have to get a new quarterback. I mean, if they're, you think Baker's bad, Drew Locke is horrid. <laughs> um, then the—whoever opponent is AFC South, AFC
0: East, so AFC South, it could be the Texans next year again. Yeah. Uh,
1: AFC East—shit, that could be the Patriots. Um, yeah, I think it probably will. Yeah, because Patriots are going to get third. yeah. It depends
0: if you finish second or third. Because right now, apparently yeah. the Browns are second. I think they'll end up finishing yeah. third, But if they play yeah. third, I mean, I'm not going to say, oh, no, the Patriots dynasty is done. I'm, I'm like, no, until they prove that they're dead, dead. I'm not saying that they're dead.
1: And Everybody in the Patriots organization knew they weren't going to make the playoffs this year. Uh, it, that's why they were saying they were going to go with Stidham. They, yeah. Cam Newton decided he was willing to take a one-year minimum deal. Uh, th- that is why he's their starting quarterback. Mm-hmm. But they were totally... Expecting to lose i actually think they've won more than they wanted to
0: yeah probably and afc south could beat the texans uh because it's not gonna be the jaguars they suck too much
1: yeah so it's gonna and be the texans. it's gonna be the texans i don't think uh i don't think uh
0: colts and titans
1: can fall down to third so no so it'll be so we'll get texans again and probably the patriots so I, let's be optimistic. Let's say we win one and lose one there. Yeah. I think we're going to lose to the Chargers and the Chiefs, um, Chiefs and the Raiders. Mm-hmm. I think Gruden's actually a really good coach. And cool. for whatever reason, the Browns never beat the Raiders. Like, it just doesn't happen. It doesn't. So there's five losses right there. You're going to lose at least once to both Pittsburgh and Baltimore. That'd be a so seven. Seven losses. That's before and we then, uh, then be at Green Bay in the next. So that's right. Be eight? So that's, yeah, eight. I mean, and then so I think at best they're probably eight and eight next year.
0: Yeah, I mean, I know we're doing a look ahead and it's way too premature where you know there could be wholesale changes on all of these teams.
1: Uh, sure, sure.
0: So many things can change, but just you know, looking at
1: no, and like if looking you get at them, Stafford, from, then it's a 10 and six. Yeah,
0: we're just doing some forecasting here, and some forecasting right. says. The schedule will be more difficult next year. They, the, the schedule gods were kind to the Browns in 2020 yep. when uh, the year 2020 has been unkind to so many people. But right. uh, 2021 looks like it's uh, going to be flipped
1: in the yeah. complete opposite direction. Yep, yep. I mean, I think right now, given that I, my concern is that none of these quarterbacks will be available and you got to roll into next season with Baker. Mm-hmm. And, or, or Case Keenum, and you draft somebody, but in either world, that's kind of how I'm projecting that. And I, as long as ownership, management, and coaches know that seven, nine, eight, and eight is probably kind of the middle 50 of where they end up next year, like on average, mm-hmm. then I think that's okay. And then you draft and you sign free agents to reflect that. My concern is that, it, especially if they just miss out on the playoffs this year. Haslam's going to make a playoff demand for next year, which is going to mean the Browns have to trade all like make these dumb trades, dumb signings, mm-hmm. just to have a shot, and that never works out for teams, especially yeah. the Browns. Yeah, Browns, Redskins, or Washington Football Team now have yeah. had that problem. Raiders for the longest time had that problem oh. until Gruden came in. But Jeez. like, look at what the Raiders did. Like, they gave Gruden a ten-year contract for a reason, mm-hmm. right? It was the the davis's surrendered control to gruden and mayak i guess but i i think that if the browns have seriously done that with this team i think that's okay but i ultimately don't care if it's analytics middleweight or football guy i don't think any of it really like at the end of the day it all can work you just have to be consistent with it Mm -hmm. and that's kind of my so they just got to be consistent know what next year is Again, unless they get, like, a Carson Wentz, a Dak Prescott, or a Matt Stafford. Unless a quarterback who we don't think is going to be available suddenly becomes
0: available or acquired in one way or another. Right. Uh, right, It's going to... There's going to be a, a dip. I expect yep. I expect a dip next year.
1: And that's okay, right? That's fine. It's it, just, as long as you,
0: you are it. thinking big picture and not year to year. If you're thinking right. big picture, the dip is okay... Because you looked at the schedule, you looked at the opponents, hopefully you addressed things in the way you're supposed to and didn't just go, we need to win now so we're doing this. It's about the long-term picture, it's not about short-term, even though uh, short-term success is much more enjoyable than thinking about success in the future. Um, They're just a team that I still feel
1: is a, a year away from being a year away. Yep, and I mean, to be fair, look at what the Rams did last Mm -hmm. year, right? They could have said whatever they want. Everybody knew in that division that San Francisco was going to be better, that Mm -hmm. Seattle was going to be better, and that Arizona probably was going to be better. And so the Rams basically positioned themselves, and nobody noticed this at the time, Mm -hmm. but they were positioning themselves to be good the year after. And right now, I I mean, I think Rams are going to win the Super Bowl. Rams are a good team. They're a really good team, and that was a really smart. Like, listen, they made the Super Bowl that year. It was kind of fluky, um, but McVeigh is uh, Doogie Hauser also. So, <laughs> but but then they knew, right? They weren't arrogant about what they did that year, and I think that's really really smart. Mm-hmm. And I just hope the Browns do that this offseason. Whether or not they make the playoffs or win a few playoff games, like I don't care, or don't make it at all. You just have to be realistic about what next season's going to be.
0: Yes, and, and progress needs to be measured in ways just besides wins and losses. And as wins right. and losses are important at the end of the day, but you have to measure the progress and the context of the wins and losses. Uh, to take things, I guess, full circle here at the beginning of our conversation, their quality of their wins. Give me some quality wins in the future. You're probably going to get some losses next year as well, but beat a couple of those teams who have more than uh three wins or you know uh, you beat a team without one of their best players on their roster beat a healthy team at full strength that has more than a large portion of their wins of you know
1: what i mean yeah i percent agree with that uh, yeah, beat 100%. a full strength Colts. beat a beat a beat pittsburgh uh you yeah know. or next year for example beat green bay or at least give green bay a great run yeah um it, the uh, Beat the Raiders, who I think are going to still be good next year. Yeah, give me, uh, give, give, it, give me one of those wins. Lose the Chiefs by two touchdowns instead of six.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's about progress. I, I feel progress yeah. with the numbers show. I mean,
1: because on one hand, a win's a win, but on the other hand, it's like, is it really? <sighs> yeah, these wins have not... The part of these wins that have felt good is Stefanski, right? Like, mm-hmm. to me, the only thing... All in all of these wins that unifies them all is that Stefanski's looked good overall. Like he has been for a first time head coach, good. Mm -hmm. And but outside of that, like we knew the running game was going to be great. The running game's great. I think that's related to it. So maybe that's point two. Beyond that, these wins kind of feel like we still can't throw the ball. We have a lot of injuries. Our defense is crap. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I agree with you. Quality of wins. Quality of game in general. It's like quality of play.